Welcome to our worship today from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne Labar, in this season of Eastertide. The hymn at the end of the service is sung by the choristers of St Martin in the Fields. Grace, mercy and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, whose Son Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life, raise us who trust in him from the death of sin to the life of righteousness, that we may seek those things which are above, where he reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading is from the Acts of the Apostles, and it's chapter 2, beginning at verse 42. Many were baptised and were added to the community. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day the Lord added to their number those who are being saved. Today's Gospel reading is from John chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. Jesus said to the Pharisees, Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follows, follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved, and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life, and have it abundantly. You may be thinking, how many times will preachers talk about shepherding practices and sheep in ancient Palestine? Especially when the closest most have ever come 
is to watch one man and his dog competing on TV. The subject may not be familiar to us in any first-hand experience, but because of all the biblical references to shepherds and sheep, it still holds strong symbolic imagery and invokes a sense of being cared for and protected. Jesus lays out his credentials as the Good Shepherd. Unlike a thief, Jesus does not come for selfish reasons. He comes to give, not to receive, to serve and not to be served. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, Jesus said. The contrast between these two images should help us to determine how true and false shepherds will be recognised. An extension of this is to choose in whom or in what we shall put our trust. On the face of it, it's easy to choose a shepherd over a thief. But it becomes more difficult when the thief doesn't dress in typical costume of a stripy top and an eye mask with a bag over his shoulder saying swag, but is someone that actually seeks to deceive us and to con us. Over and again, reliable sources tell me, me of the non-farming community that is, that sheep will know and trust their shepherd. Real sheep, that is not figurative ones like us, they get to know their shepherd and they're really comfortable in their presence. If we accept Jesus as the shepherd, then we will also have to be people that can recognise him and know him if we are not to be deceived and misled. In short, Jesus promises a life far better than we could ever imagine. But are we able to recognise it when it is being lived out and experienced? We all know what it is not. It's not an abundance of possessions or an abundance of money in our bank accounts, despite the short-term feeling of abundance that, that might give us. We can't pretend that certain possessions and some money don't make life less stressful and do make life more comfortable but life abundant they cannot bring we may feel that we have abundant life if we have people who love and care for us we may feel life is abundant when each day has a positive purpose to do work that's not entirely selfish, to help alleviate suffering or support others in some way. We realise how abundant and blessed we have been with our physical and mental health when it deteriorates. Yet health and mobility issues don't have to stop us living abundant lives as many with challenges have demonstrated. We take a step closer to a deeper understanding when we lose someone that we love. 
No amount of money or possessions can heal the wound, but that priceless hope for their eternal future with God offers possibilities of abundance beyond that which we can contemplate or imagine. An abundance that is not limited to this life. Abundant life may mean that we recognise our blessings rather than focusing on all that we disapprove of or areas of life where we feel hard done by. Instead of finding reasons why we can't do stuff, we may find ourselves positively making space to ensure that we can. Even when to others, we may appear at times to be suffering or downtrodden. There's the possibility that our deep roots of faith underpin each day as we keep Jesus' offer of abundant life at the core of who we are. Psalm 23 states, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. The assurance of Jesus as our shepherd, providing comfort and protection, sounds like an abundant life, one deeply rooted in love and hope of an eternal future. In our reading from the Acts of the Apostles, we join Luke's account immediately after 3,000 people are baptised on the day of Pentecost. In short, something big, wild, joyous has just taken place. The very same Holy Spirit which is alive and with each one of us today brings this early version of church together as people enlivened and excited to learn more about what God has promised to them go on a voyage of discovery through study, prayer and communion. Does that bring back memories? Perhaps the time we first had that sense of awe, in the same way that we heard those early Christians did, or the yearning to know God's presence that heightens our senses to all around us and strengthens our determination to complete our journey to him in the way the psalmist spoke of. Remember those early days when we yearned to know more of how it could be possible that each one of us could be loved so much by God, just as we are. This abundant life offered in Christ, is it really available to everyone if we choose to accept? How would it be better than the life we were living before? We may have pursued it through enthusiastic reading whenever we had a spare moment, questions and affirmations shared with others, learning from those who had journeyed ahead of us, and a new sense of security that we will never be abandoned. For most of us, this still continues, but in a less frenetic way, though it's found a deep meaning in the way we live our lives and relate to each other and the world. There's always the danger that familiarity with words of worship, prayers and liturgy 
can sometimes lead us to going through the motions of worship. We've all let our thoughts wander at times when you're in church. Hmm, did I put the chicken out to defrost before I left this morning? Uh, I wish I'd picked up one of those blankets on the way in. It's freezing. I'll put the thermals on next time. And meanwhile, the words of the liturgy and the service wash over us. To the early Christians, the place of worship was important as they gathered together in the temple. But they had also become much more than this, a body of people united in their newfound identity and purpose. From now onwards, the real temple is the body of the risen Christ. When I last studied this passage from Acts, we were prohibited from gathering together due to COVID rules, and there was a real sense that something valuable was being denied to us. What had become routine or even ritual in many lives stopped very suddenly. We yearned for the time when we would be able to move freely, to physically gather, to worship, celebrate, and even commiserate together again. In the meantime, we were determined to make the most of the slowdown, to gratefully breathe the air that was cleaner and heighten our awareness of the beauty around us. We found new ways to share worship together, some of which actually improved accessibility for those otherwise excluded. We were reminded of the importance of the Apostles' teaching to form habits of prayer, study and fellowship. and We were forced to find a new pattern which continued to sustain us. What we had taken for granted could be seen for its true value now. Weddings, funerals, baptisms and regular worship are all the richer when they are shared with others. Abundant life cannot always be easy to put into words, yet we can see with our own eyes what it clearly is not. It cannot be warring factions slaughtering each other. It cannot be people smugglers, exploiters who don't value the lives of others, those who abuse people weaker than themselves. We know that its meaning can be found in Christ and that glimpses may be discovered where we seek to serve each other, to support those in greatest need and collaborate with those who deserve our trust. Now is the time to keep looking forward, to keep moving forward as people trying to live out their abundant lives. We need to spread the good news through our words and actions. We need to draw strength from our unity of purpose to make God's love known. And there's much inspiration to draw upon as acts of kindness and support abound, despite the fact that they will never be as newsworthy as all the grim and depressing events going on in our world. Remember, the way those early Christians cared for included 
and shared with those in need. And day by day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. As we share the peace, we hold in our minds those from whom we are separated, members of our congregation, our families, our friends. And we remember that in God's hands we are all held together. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Almighty God, who raised Jesus from the dead and exalted him to your right hand on high, may we know your resurrection power in our daily lives and look with hope to that day when we shall see you face to face and share in your glory, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. May Christ, who out of defeat brings new hope and a new future, fill you with his new life, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Mm -hmm.